0: Hello, and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep our history alive at the community level. I'm your regular host, Dale Jarvis, but today I'm switching things around. I am going to be the person being interviewed today on the podcast, and so we are joined by our special guest host, Katie Crane. Katie, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. So, um, you're in charge. I am in it's, charge. A, this
0: is a weird thing for me.
1: This is a weird thing for me. I guess tell me about your big award. Okay.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess I should set it up. Yeah. Um, So I'm just back from uh, Korea. Yeah. So we just came, I just came back um, and I was there for two things. I was there for uh, an award presentation and then also for a conference. So uh, we can talk about both of those if you want.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so what was it like in Korea?
0: Uh, it was awesome. I had never been. I had never been to Korea before. I must admit, I didn't really know a lot about Korean anything, Korean history, Korean culture, you know, aside from a few little things here and there. So it was it was really, uh, it was kind of eye-opening. It was great. It was great to kind of be immersed there for, I was there for, gosh, over two weeks. So yeah, it was good. So we won an award. Uh, Heritage NL won this award, uh, which was sponsored by the city of Jianju, which is, um, about three and a half hours, uh, bus ride kind of, uh, south of Seoul. Yeah. And, um, it's uh it's a fascinating city and they're really big on on intangible cultural heritage so they had sponsored uh this award uh for for people who were doing work safeguarding ICH and it was an international kind of award.
1: So what did you win the award for?
0: So uh HeritageNL's intangible cultural heritage program uh, put the award nomination in and and it was kind of for all the stuff that we've been doing for the last 10 years. Um what they what they seemed to really like was that we've been doing a lot of community-based work. I think that was what kind of resonated with their with their jury. Yeah.
1: And what were the, some of the other people who won? Uh,
0: so there were three. There were three uh, finalists, um, and something like over forty different. Uh, organizations and individuals had applied to uh, for this this award and so there was one other NGO that won the award a group called contact base which was from India and then there was also an individual award that was won by a professor from Morocco uh, dr. Skunti from from Morocco um, who's been doing a lot of work kind of with local ICH initiatives in Morocco and Contact Base is an organization that represents folk artists and performers, uh, and they have a huge number of people that they that they do work with. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of cool. It was um, we did a, a colloquium as part of the award presentation. And uh, everyone got to present on their work. There was a little bit of time for each of the three of us to talk about the work that we had done. And then there were questions from the audience and uh, just kind of an opportunity to uh, kind of give our thoughts on on safeguarding ICH and Living Heritage.
1: What is something that you learned from the other people that, uh, that were there?
0: Oh, gosh, that's a good question. I, I think... I think that hearing about the stuff that they're doing in India is really interesting Uh, they're really using ICH as a tool to uh, kind of help in community development so um, a lot of the people uh, that they see who are tradition bearers who are dancers performers folk artists um, never really had a market for what they were doing Um, and so as a result some of those skills and techniques were starting to fade because there just was an opportunity to practice them. I, I know at one point they were talking about, uh, dance traditions and dance traditions were something that they would do, you know, once a year or every so often at a festival. Um, and no one was, no one was paid for that work. So no one really put work into that. You know, they wouldn't, it would kind of be last minute and, um, and so the transmission of the, those skills were starting to break down and now uh, those people are performing nationally and internationally they're getting paid for their work um, the the artisans are finding new markets for their uh, for their work um, so yeah that was really neat there was also a really cool uh, kind of storytelling tradition that one of the one of the women who came from India was presenting on and they do these um, Kind of like paintings I guess it's kind of, but it's uh it's like a mnemonic for uh a story so it's like it's a painting in kind of a uh, the ones that they had were kind of these vertical scrolls with different images uh and then the the woman who was there was the painter of these images but then would uh sing the stories that they that they presented and it was it was pretty neat because some of those were based on traditional stories. But then there was this one really uh, kind of wild uh, version of the 9-11 uh, bombing and and kind of telling the story of what had happened on 9-11 um, and the loss of life there, but told like through song and through art. So it was kind of contemporary issues um, uh, using traditional materials and, and styles, which was which was pretty pretty neat awesome. to see.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I saw on your social media that you eat a lot of food <laughs> in Korea.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jeonju is a UNESCO uh, a gastronomic city, a world city of, of gastronomic heritage. Um, have you had bibimbap? I have. So bibimbap is from Jeonju. That's the city where it was kind of uh, created or popularized. So... Yes, I did get to eat some, uh, some bibimbap in different uh, variations. I ate a lot of octopus, uh, which I love. Yeah. It was really, really good. And, and everyone was very hospitable and, and, uh, uh, it's a, it's a fascinating city and I had a really good, really good time and the food was great.
1: Yeah. So you spent a bit of time between the award and the conference. Is there anything that you, did culturally tourism
0: yeah I, I you know people were kind of uh, surprised i think that i chose to stay uh, in in jeonju um and i i guess for koreans it's it's a center of korean tourism that was the other kind of fascinating thing is that it is a city where koreans go for uh, for a holiday um mostly to visit the hanok uh, village, the traditional kind of village, which is very kind of touristy uh, uh, in a way. Um, so I, I definitely uh, took in that. That was really, that was really fascinating, but I think people were kind of surprised that I didn't go to Seoul, which is where most you kind know, of Westerners uh, go, but I wanted to kind of get a feel for the community and um, hang out in the market uh, a little bit, the traditional market, the Nambu market, which was pretty cool. And I did get to travel around a, a little bit to to some places uh, on, on uh, in the region and a little bit further afield. I, I went to uh, Gochang, which is a UNESCO World Heritage site, a, a dolmen, Neolithic site. So that was pretty neat as well.
1: And so you also attended a conference in Korea.
0: Yeah, what
1: was that about?
0: So, so that was kind of why I had <laughs> why I stayed. Um, there was a it was interesting because we had, we had applied for the uh award and didn't really know if we would we would get it but we we did which was fantastic and we were then uh heritage NL was invited to to fly to uh jeonju to accept this award so i was going to go and then come back come back to canada and then I got a, a completely separate invitation to go to the world forum on intangible cultural heritage organized by a different organization in the same city 10 days after the, the award. And so they were going to fly me <laughs> there. Uh, and it seemed a bit silly to like fly to Korea and then fly home and then wait a few days and then turn around and fly back to Korea. So I, I just stayed. Um, and the world forum was uh, so a separate event. Um, there's a, an amazing uh national ICH center in, in Gyeongju, um, uh huge uh, building um, with, uh, you know, concert venues, a great big courtyard. There was lots of kind of cultural stuff that was happening. Um, lots of great demonstrations of traditional skills and, and art that were happening kind of in conjunction with the world forum and, and people from all over people from mostly from uh, the Asia Pacific area. Um but then, you know, I I was there from from Canada and there was one woman there from uh uh the Smithsonian talking about um, some of the craft development stuff that they're working on as well.
1: And uh what kinds of talks were there at the conference? What sessions did you go to? Uh
0: I I was presenting on on the work we were doing on on uh, some of our our craft uh well not just craft, but some of our living heritage uh economy case studies so i was talking about about that other people were presenting on different uh projects that they were running it was interesting you know i i was in this session and i was talking about craft and there were a couple other people uh in the same session who were talking about kind of how they were using craft for local local uh economic development um it was a woman from uh, Norway talking about a kind of a folk school that, that she's involved running where they teach uh, traditional skills, uh, like blacksmithing to kids, which is amazing. <laughs> um, a woman from Laos who is talking about kind of an ethnology and craft center that they're running, uh, helping local craftspeople again, kind of develop markets for their, for their craft. Um, a woman from Finland talking about you know kind of the various cultural projects that that they're working on. Uh, another kind of craft development person from Cambodia. so lots of lots of interesting uh, stuff that way. Um, and then on the last day, a really fascinating uh, session on uh, kind of cooperation between North Korea and South Korea.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, it is interesting. No one from North Korea was there. <laughs> um, and what was kind of uh, intriguing to me is, you know, how little information is kind of shared between these two, two countries, you know. Um, everyone was really passionate about, you know, this idea that eventually there will be a reunification of North and South uh, Korea. Um, and, and a real interest on kind of safeguarding traditions in, in both parts of the peninsula. Yeah, that was so that was fascinating. Really interesting presentation by a woman from um, uh, Singapore, uh, an Australian woman living in Singapore, who uh, had been doing some work with UNESCO in North Korea and just getting to hear kind of her impressions of what was happening in North Korea was really, really interesting.
1: Is there anything that was presented at the conference that you feel that you can bring back to Newfoundland?
0: You know, one of the things that I, I have thought about before, uh, and I think in a way it's one of the things that kind of got, uh, the entire ICH business kind of started with UNESCO is, is this idea of living, uh, living treasures. This was a, I think the Japanese government had come up with it first where they had, um, a way to commemorate people who were alive with traditional skills. Um, and so, uh, Korea has a- embraced that. So they actually had at one, at one part of the, the world forum, they had, oh gosh, I don't know, like 30 or so tradition bearers, uh, who were there, who are recognized by uh, Korea as being, um, holders of particular skills. So things like bow and arrow making or, um brassware making um really interesting uh I watched a demonstration of women who were making knots like traditional knot work uh, that you would then use for um kind of decoration on on clothing or on uh, other goods or whatnot uh, they had these really interesting little looms almost that they were making these woven uh, uh, things on so uh i I know that that is something that the korean government has really focused on this idea of providing um opportunities for master apprentice kind of programs uh, so uh there was uh there was an opportunity for me to to meet a traditional fan maker um, which was just really interesting you know to be able to kind of watch this man uh, who really didn't speak much English, but, um, just kind of demonstrate his skills. And he, uh, you know, there's not a lot of people left who, who kind of know how to do this very, very technical kind of work. Uh, so making bamboo and paper, um, uh, paper fans, um, one fan might take him up to four days, uh, to kind of make. Uh, and today, you know, there isn't really quite the same, market for everyone has air conditioning or (laughs) whatever um but uh but yet there still seems to be kind of an interesting market like people want these fans tourists buy them locals will buy them um so they've they've been able to to maintain that skill but then he also is able to have apprentices that can come in and i think i think it's like you get you can apply to have an apprentice like every four years or something like that yeah so that's that's something that I'd kind of been thinking of before, for for Newfoundland and Labrador, but uh, yeah, I came back kind of thinking, yeah, this would be a really interesting program to set up and uh, and be able to partner someone with someone who has skills and get them, you know, working together.
1: So something like birch broom making or
0: yeah, yeah, I and mean, it, like it, it ultimately, I don't even know if it really matters what the the skill is, but that idea that yeah, you you are passing those skills along to another another person. That's
1: yeah. something that's done a lot in, uh, in language learning, master and apprentice yeah. partnerships. Yeah. And they're often in conjunction with doing some sort of traditional skill, traditional craft. So it would be nice to, to broaden the, yeah. the partnership.
0: Yeah. It was, you know, I was mentioning the North Korean stuff. Yeah. You'd be interested in this. They, they, uh, they were talking about, um, kind of how, The two countries have been separated now for 70 years. It's been a long time that the Korean Peninsula has been split without a lot of contact back and forth. So sometimes what uh, the people working in in ICH know about North Korean uh, ICH is what is filtered through UNESCO. So, uh North Korea will make nominations to the representative list that will go to Paris, it'll get published and then South Korea can kind of look and see what it is. And one of the professors was talking about how, you know, there's been 70 years of I guess cultural and linguistic drift uh, a, a little bit, you know, because they are they are not really interacting. So he, he had gone through some of these documents and had, uh, and and was picking out words, like very specific words in, in the the documentation and saying, you know, in South Korea, we say this word for, uh, for, uh, hanji, like for, for traditional paper making. And in North Korea, they will have just a slightly different word or they'll, or they're using different forms or older forms of the words. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting, uh it will be at some point kind of an interesting case study on how language separates and and evolves because there i think at some point there there will be if there isn't already kind of a north korean and a south korean uh, dialects of the same language um oh and i was there on uh hangeul uh day Hung- oh, yeah, what's that <laughs> so Hangul is the is the korean um script um and so if you've ever seen Korean written, uh, this was a, a system that was devised in Korea, um, uh, to improve literacy. Uh, so they had kind of, they had been using a lot of Chinese characters. And so Chinese characters, there's, I don't know how many hundreds of, of different uh, Chinese characters. Um, and there was a real problem with the kind of lower classes in, in Korea at the time when the script was, was developed, not really having much uh, much ability to to read and write. And the the ruling class at the time decided that this was something that they wanted to do. So they came up with an, alf- an alphabet, a kind of a script, this hungle script, which has uh, a limited number of kind of vowel and con- consonant sounds, and then is divided up into syllables. So um, it's actually a fairly straightforward kind of uh, writing system that that enabled... Everyone in Korea to, to learn how to read. Um, and they celebrate it you know, every year. Apparently the current, uh, prime minister, or president, I think is, is popular because uh, they made it an official holiday. <laughs> so government workers get the, get, uh, Hangul's, uh, birthday off. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. that, you know, there were signs up and some government workers had the day off, but it wasn't like there were Hangul parades or anything like that. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of neat. It is, you know, it's it's an it's just always interesting to travel and be somewhere different. And and sometimes things would feel very similar, and then sometimes things would feel very very different.
1: As a folklorist traveling, is there anything that you saw maybe differently from another traveler?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm always really interested in just kind of watching how people uh, interact, like. You know, we go, folklorists, folklorists, academics, we go to conferences. And in North America, like, one conference is kind of the same as every other conference. Like, there's kind of ways of doing things. Um, and then to go to a conference in Korea where, you know, the format is similar, but then there are things that are distinctly different. Like, they're, um, at the beginning of the sessions every day, uh, there would be, at times, a somewhat lengthy list of all the important people who were in the room and they would all have to be identified. You know, there's a real kind of, um, respect or deference to the, to your elders. Right. Um, and so they would go through this whole thing of like making sure that they had said everyone's name and and identifying them and that person would stand up and give a bow. And, um, and that was, uh, um, while the, while the conference was very, T- conference and the award ceremony were very tightly run in terms of like time um it's very efficient uh there was always time kind of set aside specifically for those uh kind of honoring those those uh those people which um was, was a little different than like we kind of say you know hello everyone and you know we if there if there's like a, a major politician or something there they might get special notification but you wouldn't in in a conference setting say okay here are the top 20 scholars in the field and then get them all to stand up and wave you know whereas in korea it seemed to be very very important so i think just as a as a folklorist yeah i just kind of noticed little things like that you know it was it's just it is a different culture a different way of doing things um everything was like i said very much on time all the time very uh to the moment to the minute uh kind of stuff um, definitely a sense of hospitality, you know, that uh I, you know, I, <laughs> I had this break in the middle, and I think people were worried about me because, oh, I got to, I was staying in a traditional kind of guest house. Um, oh, I don't know if traditional is the right word, but a, a more Korean style guest house, so sleeping on a futon uh, on the floor. And I think, I think some of the organizers were just kind of very worried that I, as a Westerner, would, would find it, uncomfortable or odd to be not sleeping in a bed but to be sleeping on a, a futon which was fine it was good
1: so would you go back to korea yeah yeah
0: yeah uh I, I really enjoyed it yeah and and people were genuinely you know really interested in in culture and heritage like it, it is impressive how much work uh korea has done in the field of ich so they have these great research centers they have universities that are doing this work um a lot of students there there were uh at the conference at the world forum there were uh kind of younger interns i guess that had uh traveled from uh all over uh, kind of asia pacific region um to to work in uh, Jianju for I think five months. And so they're, they're there until November and, and, uh, uh, so they, there were like seven or eight of them or something, um, from different countries, from Tibet and, and, uh, from, um, uh, other, other places, uh, and, uh, the, like, you know, um, there there's a fellow there from Timor, um, um, Malaysia, I believe. So they really are, kind of a center for for research so that's that's really kind of fascinating we don't in canada we don't <laughs> really have anything that compares to that we we haven't ratified the 2003 unesco convention um and the koreans are very committed to um to this kind of work uh, and the mayor of uh, Jeonju who was there to present the uh, awards uh, at the the award ceremony, you know, he seemed very committed to this idea that, that the city of Jeonju is, is a city that takes uh, uh, ICH very, very seriously. You know, you asked one thing that I kind of would come back to Newfoundland with, uh, and I, it seems, anyway, that in Korea there is a lot of um, municipal focus. On ICH and in Newfoundland we've kind of done it on a provincial uh, basis but you know a living heritage kind of lives at the community level and so for towns to get involved I think is really really good that's something that maybe we could you know develop in the future
1: what was your favorite thing in Korea
0: what was my favorite thing in Korea That's a really hard question uh i i I really am fascinated by the traditional markets i i do like that and it's it is interesting to be in jianju where there is uh this world heritage site the hanok village where there's all these kind of traditional style uh uh houses and it's very meticulous and like everything is very well maintained and the houses are all restored Um, but a lot of the businesses are modern businesses that have, that have moved in. So a lot of restaurants and tourist shops, and you can rent, um, uh, traditional clothing and walk around and all the, and all the young people, uh, that's what they were doing. All these young tourists would rent these, uh, costumes, either traditional costumes or 19th century, uh, uh, costumes, and then, uh, wander through these very picturesque streets streets and, and take. selfies (laughs) it's very it was very korean i think to do this um but then to go in the same city then go to the more traditional market which is not um as developed you know it's very much more for the local uh the local people Uh, so again you you asked about like what i thought as a folklorist for me that kind of living contemporary uh kind of folk life is really fascinating and and I would think of that as being ICH. I, I think to a certain extent, what uh, Korea has chosen to focus on has been some of that more kind of traditional, in quotation marks, uh, kind of stuff. So things like paper making and um, you know, the kind of the the older traditional crafts, uh, printing, and those kinds of things. Whereas uh, maybe some of that more thing that we would think of as contemporary folklore in North America, uh, maybe that hasn't kind of. Quite filtered down, um, yet. Though so they do have an interesting built heritage program, which they call Future Heritage, which I, I think is a fascinating idea. They're looking at kind of mid-century, uh, buildings. There was a Jap- Japanese occupation, uh, in, uh, in Korea in the early part of the 20th century. So there are buildings from that period that maybe aren't heritage buildings yet, but they recognize that at a certain point these will be the heritage they are the the heritage buildings of the future so they actually have a designation program for future heritage so they're kind of thinking about stuff that maybe is kind of on the fringe of what is considered heritage now but they're they're kind of planning ahead um you know, and maybe that's something that we need to think about. I was
1: just about to say that <laughs> with all the stuff that's been in the news lately.
0: Yeah, we don't really do that in, in Canada. You know, we, we think of heritage as stuff that's like, we set these dates, you know, like it's, oh, it's got to be over a hundred years or it has to be over uh, 60 years or before confederation or, or whatever. Um, and so then I think what happens is there's a bunch of, you know, in Newfoundland and Labrador post-war stuff, you know, like Churchill Park um A lot of our military uh, stuff, you know, post-war military or war era military stuff like that, that stuff is vanishing at an astonishing rate. Some of our commercial buildings, uh, our concrete modern uh, kind of stuff, by the time we start to think of that as heritage, it's almost too late. You know, it's because a lot of that stuff is gone. So yeah, this Korean idea of future heritage, maybe that's something that we need to, to think a bit. bit more about
1: I know you have another conference coming up can you tell me a little bit about that
0: yeah so I'm leaving I'm just back from Korea and I'm leaving again I'm going to Washington DC the Smithsonian and Yale are having this joint conference on on intangible cultural heritage so I'm I'm going off there and presenting uh, again about the work that we're doing and I was kind of surprised to get this email invitation from them and and said you know like how do you know about us? (laughs) Really? You know, like, cause we're, we're kind of small players in, in a way, you know, and they say, Oh yeah, we watch what we watch, what you're doing. Um, which is very kind of satisfying, you know, to be able to, to get this international award, uh, at one end, and then at the other end to be invited to go to the Smithsonian and present on, on what we're doing here. Um, And, you know, I, I think what we are doing here, going back to one of the reasons I think we won the Jianju International Award is that, is that we recognize that communities are really important. You know, that community-based work is, is what we do. And we always keep in mind that, you know, that's where, that's where our living heritage is based. It's not really a top-down approach. We try and work with communities and help them figure out what's, what's important to them.
1: All right. Well, thank you for, inviting me to be your guest host. It's been really great.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail, and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at
1: gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.